Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. Creating and hosting a podcast has two amazing benefits. One, you can reach out to women you admire but don't actually know and invite them to be on your show. Two, you can reach out to women you do know who are doing amazing work, the kind of work that deserves great fanfare, standing ovations, marching bands, bells and whistles, all the things, and invite them to be on the show so that their work reaches more ears. I am so delighted to welcome a friend of 30 years to the show, social impact nonprofit leader Trish Tierney, the co-founder and CEO of WAKE, which stands for Women's Alliance for Knowledge Exchange, which harnesses the power of volunteers working in teams to advance social justice and women's rights across the globe. Trish's career includes work at the World Bank, the Institute of International Education, Cisco Systems, Social Impact Arm, and partnerships with the U.S. State Department and the Clinton Global Initiative. She joins me today to share ideas for how women from around the world can come together to collaborate and design solutions for a better future. Plus, we dive into the benefits of finding purpose, which are better mental, physical, and spiritual health. Welcome, Trish. Thanks, Katie. It's great to be here with you. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited. I, I, I touched on this in the the intro, but I have known you for 30 years. We met um, when we both lived in Washington, D.C., when our husbands worked at AOL. Uh, we go so far back that AOL used to be called America Online at that time, and it was like famous or infamous for mailing people floppy disks and encouraging them to get onto this weird thing called the web. Uh, but I have stayed connected with Trish ever since, and I've actually had the um, total privilege of joining Wake for their trip to Cambodia in 2015, which was an incredible, transformative, eye-opening experience. We worked with phenomenal nonprofits on the ground, and I, I cannot recommend Wake and its programs um, highly enough. So Trish, I would love if you could just sort of start by telling our listeners more about Wake and your mission. Sure. Thanks, Katie. Yeah, it's crazy to think about how long we've known each other and how our friendship has evolved and that we've gotten to work together over the years as well. So Wake, I co-founded Wake with a dear friend, Heather Ramsey, um, six years ago. And in that time, we've supported over a thousand social justice leaders from 11 different countries and all across the United States. And the way we do that is leveraging resources, primarily women and others in tech in the tech world. And so we work, we partner with over 50 top tech companies. And really, Heather and I had an idea that over the years, we had met so many incredible women in their communities doing exactly what was needed for the people that they served, the women and girls in their own communities. But so often, nonprofits and social entrepreneurs lack access to resources. And we looked around and, you know, we're in San Francisco and the resources that we see are uh, really talented people in tech. And so Wake really is a convener of two powerful sources. One is um, the group of community leaders all around the world that are doing just what they need to advance social justice. And then the other side are these huge tech companies with amazing talent and amazing resources. And so often people in tech want to give back and get involved in their communities, but they're really busy. They don't know how to get involved. And so we're sort of a matchmaker between those two groups. And we feel that when you bring those two groups together, you can really change the world. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the countries that Wake has worked in and what are the types of projects that Wake volunteers work on once you activate them? 
Yeah. So when we started Wake, Heather and I, both of us had spent our whole careers in international development. And so when Wake started, we really focused on international um, trips. So we would take volunteers like yourself, you mentioned going to Cambodia, which was one of our earliest trips. And we take a group of 15 to 20 women to a country and we work in community with a partner. We always find a really great partner on the ground who is already very um, respected and knows the right people in the community and helps us to find participants for the work. And we work with social entrepreneurs and advise them on projects that they need help on that would help strengthen their work. And then we also work with girls schools to introduce the girls in those schools to technology, as well as to female role models. And um, an example of a project that we did a couple years ago, we went to Rwanda, which is a country where I've worked um, in, in other capacities as well. So we already had a really nice foundation of great partners there. And we worked with a group of social entrepreneurs. And one is a young woman named Glandine. And she had started um, a company that focused on maternal child and maternal health. And she was doing a lot in, in that area, but she had just launched a new, um, a new product, which was she looked around and saw that so many girls in Rwanda can't afford um, menstrual pads. And so they often miss a lot of school when they're getting their periods. And so, um, you know, a lot of girls would miss like one week out of every month of school. And just because of a simple fact of not being able to afford pads. And so Blandine had just launched um, a product, which was a kit that was that provided girls the opportunity to make their own reusable pads at really cheap, cost effective. And she had a plan for how to get it out to the villages and out to schools, but she needed a pricing plan and a marketing plan. And so we matched her up with a team of really dedicated um, advisors, mostly from Google, and they helped her to create a marketing plan and also to start a fundraiser. And they raised $5,000 with her. And she was able to get all the materials she needed to get her first batch of pad materials out to, to girls. And she's really changing the way that um, young girls can continue to benefit from education in their communities in Rwanda. So I, I absolutely love this story because I know that even in uh, New York City, where I'm based, that that um, you know period equity is still an issue. That yeah. that menstrual pads are are something that stands in the way of getting education. And your your organization really is making a difference at, at a very uh, you know important level. When we were in Cambodia, we worked with a. Uh, a university that was providing dormitory housing for Cambodian university students. I think there were easily a dozen organizations that came in for the programming that you developed, which were fighting sex trafficking. You know, so you, the, the work really makes a difference in these communities. What are some of the other countries that you've worked in, and what happened during COVID when international travel and international programming was was hard to um, you know to do logistically? Yeah. So we, our very first program was in Ukraine and then Cambodia, as you mentioned, and Rwanda. And then we've also worked in Peru and a couple of times in Guatemala. And one of the workshops we did in Guatemala included women from all across Central America. Um, so we had plans to really scale up our, our work in uh, right before the pandemic came. And we were that year, we were planning to go to Nepal for the first time which was hugely popular. We had 30 women signed up to go to Nepal. 
And then we also had planned to start a project in Colombia that year. And then we were also going to do a return trip to Rwanda to uh, revisit Blandine and some of the other entrepreneurs with whom we had worked. But of course, um, just as we were about to scale up, <laughs> COVID hit. And that was rough on everyone. And especially, um, you know, we just kept canceling everything. And at first we'd postpone and say, okay, we're going to go to Nepal instead of in April, we're going to go in May. And, you know, very quickly it became clear this sure. COVID thing is here to stay for a while. So we put everything international on hold. Um, we did have already a USA focused program. And that was something that we did once a year in San Francisco. And so we worked with social justice nonprofits from all over the US, they would come to San Francisco, and then we'd have volunteers mostly from the Bay Area. And that was just a three day in person program. So it was sort of um, giving some tech training, uh, you know, we'd get hosted by like Twitter would have us for the day and uh, YouTube. So we would take the groups to the companies and they would get training. And then we had one day where we would match them up with advisors and they would work on a project. But it was really kind of drinking from the fire hose. You know, they, they got a lot done in a day, but not, um, you know, not as much as we would like. So it was very intense, but short. Um, and so when COVID hit, we thought, well, what can we do? Uh, you know, I mean, at first we just kind of took some time off. We had to lay our team off. Um, we laid ourselves off and and took a pause because we just couldn't, um, you know, we couldn't fundraise. We felt like fundraising at that time was inappropriate almost when people were dying and there were just so many urgent, um, you know, other issues in the world. But then last fall, we decided, let's go back to the, to the, to the drawing board and see what we can do. And so we converted our USA program to an online program. And now we've settled on um, a, a, a program that is a six week program and it's all online. And we, we're wondering at first, will people want to do this? You know, everyone was so Zoom fatigued, but it turned out that people were desperate to have community, to meet new people, and to feel that they are part of something positive. And so in our first round of virtual, we had um, almost twice as many advisors as we typically see. We had people just signing up to to participate as volunteers. And then on the other side, we had so many nonprofits signing up and wanting this because suddenly they too were having to look at how do they do their work online. So suddenly the need for tech and communications skills for all nonprofits was even more urgent than before. So we've since um, done several sessions. We're just in the final stages of our, of our fall session. And it's really incredible to see people coming together. And the silver lining is that because we're doing it virtually, we can have advisors from all over the US. So we have companies in, and individuals in Boston, in Seattle, in Florida, in Indianapolis, uh, as well as the Bay Area. And so it's, a, it's easier for people to get involved. And the nonprofits don't have to spend money flying here. Um, and so the collaboration also is much more in depth because they work together over a six week period. So they spend several hours each week working on a project that the nonprofits identified.
Such a such a great pandemic silver lining, and it's nice to it's nice that you were able to to pivot and and to make this happen. Um, for women who are listening to the show and thinking, I'd love to get involved, but I'm not sure if I'm qualified or if I had the skills. Uh, I want to hear what you would say to them after this quick commercial break. Hey, beauties, can you believe we're already heading into the holidays? This season brings me so much joy, but can also bring heightened amounts of stress. Keep your holiday season merry and bright by remaining invested in your self-care. And yes, that means our menopause rituals too. Now we can care for our skin, mind, and body with the help of our friends at Kindra. Kindra's line of estrogen-free menopause essentials can help us manage mood swings, hot flashes, and make sure we're getting the restful sleep we need to enjoy our holidays. I feel great about relying on Kindra since all of their products are backed with years of research. Their potent formulations include natural actives like ashwagandha, pycnogenol, and niacinamide to offer full-range symptom relief when used consistently. Kinder has a holiday offer for certain age listeners. Use code KD20 at checkout for 20% off your first order or subscription. Head to ourkinder.com to gift yourself self-care this holiday season. Okay, Trish, we're back from the break. And for women who are listening to the show and thinking, you know, I really do want to get involved. This sounds amazing. I want to make a difference. And now that I know I can do it online versus having to hop an airplane, but I'm not sure if I'm the right fit, what would you say to them? What does a wake volunteer look like? Yeah, thanks for asking that, Katie. So many women that I talk to say, oh, I'd love to get involved, but what do I have to offer? And my answer to that is everyone has something to offer and it's really very diverse. And we, you know, the program is called tech to empower. And so sometimes people think, Oh, I have to be an engineer, uh, you know, to get involved, but that is definitely not true. We have, um, uh, people from all different backgrounds and by the way, uh, all genders are welcome, um, in, especially in the USA virtual program. So we do predominantly have women, but we have, all different types of people. And we love to have a diverse group of volunteers. We often have people that are engineers and have technical skills and they do things um, like building websites or CRM databases, but we also have a great need for people with finance backgrounds or with digital marketing or with um, organizational development or leadership skills. And an example that I can give you is Um, In the spring, we were working with a great nonprofit called Court Watch NOLA. It's a group that's based in New Orleans. Louisiana is the most incarcerated state in our country. And Court Watch NOLA is uh, focused on increasing accountability and transparency in the court system in New Orleans. And they were already doing amazing work, but they wanted to be able to better connect with their community and with potential funders and supporters. So we partnered with a group um, of really talented creatives from an agency called Lift Agency, which is based here in the Bay Area. And they sponsored a team of volunteers from their company. And they worked with Court Watch NOLA to come up with a whole new branding strategy. They created a beautiful new logo. They created templates for social media. And and now they have um, really transformed their website, their marketing materials, and they've been able to reach out and share their work and attract new donors and new supporters. 
And I, I can vouch for how gorgeous their branding materials were because I, um, in addition to uh, doing the Cambodia trip in 2015, I joined Tech to Empower USA this spring, and I worked with uh, four women from my my hometown on a on a separate project. But at the end of the six week session, we got to see what everyone else was up to with their with their nonprofit organizations, and we saw the new logos and the branding materials that were created, which was amazing. And my my personal team of um, three other women were working with a fabulous organization called the Me Too Organization, which was founded by Toronto Burke. And we were helping the organization come up with a pitch deck to better communicate their story, their mission, their programming, and their impact to potential corporate sponsors. And I will say that, uh, you know, my background is communications. My background is in marketing. The three other women on my team were marketers and worked in, in finance as well. So we were not coders, we were not engineers, we were not, um, you know, building things from from the back. So you really you have a whole different range of volunteers with your with your organization. So yeah, and Katie, also you mentioned that you did it with some friends from your hometown. You know, sometimes we get groups from companies, so it'll be like a team from Salesforce, and it's people that work together. But then we also get people like you and your friends. Um, the Me Too team, and we love all those different scenarios. And it's a really fun way for people who are either friends or colleagues, and they want a, a, an opportunity to work together in a different way. And uh, on Lyft Agency, um, the the group that worked with Court Watch Nola, we have one woman who's now in her third time volunteering with us because. So Lyft Agency is doing it for the third time, and Nandy has done it three times herself. She's continually part of the team because um, what we hear from Mandy and others like her is that the opportunity to use her professional day-to-day skills in a new way is really exciting and empowering. And it's also great to see that you're able to use your skills uh, for social impact. You know, some some people love to volunteer in person, like going to a soup kitchen or working at a shelter, those are really important opportunities as well. But some people that's out of their comfort zone and they want to use their existing skills and give back in a new way. So it's, um, I think it's a really fun opportunity to, to try something new and to connect with friends and colleagues in a new way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, and I actually just recently came across some fascinating data on, on, on finding purpose. I was doing a little research for the show and I found a health and retirement study done by University of Michigan that said that people who report higher levels of purpose uh, Mm -hmm. and and volunteering have objectively better physical agility, longevity, better rates of cognitive development. And this is super, super weird. But adults who report having greater purpose are more likely to floss their teeth than those those without purpose. And I was like, that is an interesting factoid. but I, can I, say, I think I'm an outlier on that. <laughs> <laughs> but I can speak for myself. I mean, I literally um, was so inspired by both of my experiences. Cambodia was, as I said earlier in the show, transformative. And when I did the Tech to Empower USA virtually, I did have that thought of like, is it going to be it's an amazing experience? Am I going to be as lit up? And the answer was yes. I mean, it felt incredible to be engaging with people that I don't normally interact with, you know, which included my own team, my team of the three women in mm-hmm. my town. And mm-hmm. the um, our contacts at the Me Too organization are, you know, inspiring, barely even covers it. These w- women are doing incredible, incredible work that benefits so many. And I felt so energized every time I, I would get on this this Zoom. So, I, you know, speaking for myself, I really 
felt um, it increased sort of my mojo. I felt like I learned new things that my fellow volunteers blew my mind with what they were sharing. And you can really uh, leave uh, with a new set of skills yourself. So, but Trish, there's a question in all of this. And my my question is, we've talked about some of the benefits that volunteers get from um, doing this kind of work. There are obvious uh, benefits for the organizations that participate. But I'm curious because you're the one that's kind of running the show. And so how do you get this sort of energy in midlife for yourself? You know, what are you doing to to energize and feel inspired um, beyond running Wake? Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely feel lucky that I got to create my own job and my and I love it so much. And so I do take so much energy from running Tech to Empower and from working with my team and, and the amazing people that volunteer and the nonprofit leaders, Um, you know, during COVID, especially when things were so dark for so many people, every time I get on a zoom or read the applications, I see that there's so many people out there just fighting the good fight every day. So it's really inspiring work, but I also um, do need to recharge for myself. And the thing that I most recently started doing, which I'm, loving so much is rowing. I just um, in September joined a novice rowing team. And I honestly have not been a, a sporty person in my life. My <laughs> whole family is my husband's a soccer coach. My kids all play multiple sports. And I was the one who was managing, you know, everyone else's team snap and bringing the snacks to practice. And now I have my own team snap. <laughs> and <laughs> I love it. I get up at five in the morning and I row in the dark and it's really, really hard. And I'm not that good at it, but I, I'm dedicated to continuing it. And I love it, especially because it's a whole new group of people and it's new skills. And um, you partly inspired me, Katie, because um, at, on a, one of your podcasts this summer, you said something like, we can do hard things. And that is such a, a simple truth. But I don't know why. Maybe you just said it right when I needed to hear it. But I was like, yeah, I need to do a hard thing, a new thing. And, <laughs> I didn't mean to do a I hard thing at 5 a.m., Trash. That, that sounds that's like really, really hard. hard. And I, I love doing new hard things. So thank you for saying that right when I needed to hear it. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. That's really, um, first of all, I'm, I'm amazed by that because my, my ninth grade son, Rose Crew, and I just came back from a very wet regatta. So I know mm-hmm. exactly how much uh, work and effort goes into to doing that. So I love to hear that you you sort of put yourself out there and, and you're, you're trying something new. And yeah, I, I do, like, it's funny. I actually just went to a really good friend's uh, 54th birthday. She organized a dance party. And it was in the middle of the day. She got her favorite dance instructor, and he taught us all of these dance routines. And what I learned was that I'm always going left when everyone else is going right. And it was, like, very humbling and very hard. But I felt so excited afterwards. And not because I was good, mind you, but I felt so excited because I literally would never have thought that I could do this or kind of quasi do it. And it just felt so wonderful being in a room full of people all, you know, trying to go right together or trying to go left mm-hmm. together. And I and I love that um, you you pulled something new into your life. Um, I, I think that's that's very, very and, cool. And we're never we're never too old to do that. That's the thing is to be in a in a boat with seven or eight other people who are also new. And it's the age ranges from 40s 
to the oldest woman on one of the teams is 89. Okay, stop. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I and need so, to. Well, by the way, she, of course like she's up at forever. five in the morning because we do not sleep once we get to a certain age. That's in life. true. Maybe that part gets easier. <laughs> <laughs> that is so amazing. 89, yeah. you're definitely never too old. You know, you, you've yeah. just reminded me about something because you're talking about this like big age swing that you have in these boats. And I mm-hmm. saw this big age swing also in the, um, the group that I went to Cambodia mm-hmm. with. And I really saw it on the Zoom that I was with because the people that were participating Participating, were ranging from, you know, they look like they were my my, my daughter in college to mm-hmm. you know to people who are older than I am, and um, there's really an intergenerational component around the volunteer work that you organize. Is that something that you see, or do you recognize that? Is that something that's deliberate? It's it started out as very deliberate um, when we were doing the in person trips. We um, really looked at the applicant pool and created as many different diversity factors as we could. And it was really great to see, um, you know, someone in their 60s who's coming on the trip because maybe they're nearing retirement age and they want to do something new, interacting and learning alongside with, uh, you know, someone who's 25 and and just started out their career in tech. And the the interactions and the learning is it's really beautiful. And then it's just kind of naturally started to happen in the virtual program as well. And I think people who who choose to do this type of volunteer work are very open individuals. And so we we see people coming with really open hearts and open minds. And they both the nonprofit leaders as well as the volunteers, they all are so eager to learn from each other and share their work with each other. So if somebody's listening to this and thinking, like, this really does sound amazing, and I understand that all skills are welcome, but you know, when they hear the word tech and how do you? Uh, how would they know if they they qualify for this? What would they What would they need to do to figure out if this is going to be the right fit for them? Walk yeah. us through that process. Absolutely. So our website is the best place to start, and it's wakeinternational.org. And I know you'll share it out in your notes. Um, but on there, you can read more about our programs and our impact report, and you can see also examples of past projects. You know, the the most important thing is that the nonprofits, they propose the projects. So it's all demand driven for them. And then you'll you'll be able to to read some of those project proposals and say, oh, I see how I might be able to apply my skills. And, um, you know, if anyone has a question, they can contact me. And but mostly my answer is always, yes, I'm sure we can find a place for you. Um, We we have need for storytelling, we have need for communication skills, finance, human resources. So, you know, any, um, anyone who's excited to give back, we can find a place for them. Okay, fantastic. And so I, wa- I wanted to switch gears for a minute and, and ask you a little bit about um, sort of what, what you've learned while having run uh, Wake and Tech to Empower over the years, because you've had a career in development, you've worked in, in Africa, you've worked in social impact, and through Wake, you're in regular conversations with women across the globe. And I, I'm wondering, you know, what would be sort of a big theme or learning that you've had from these conversations with women beyond, you know, San Francisco that, that stretch across the globe? Yeah, I think that, well, there's so many, but I, I think, I mean, for me, my sort of personal motto is always that someone, that every person has something to give, which I've said in different ways throughout this conversation, but it's something that drives me every day. And that 
you know, I always tell my kids, like if they see something that's bothering them or they think something's wrong or, you know, there's a need that they need to figure out how to contribute to, to creating the change. And it's something that kids, grownups, everyone um, should be looking at. So we shouldn't sit around and, and complain, you know, we should find solutions. And what I've seen is that uh, especially women around the world are creating that change and that we're really more similar to each other all around the world than different. And as you know, Katie, from your travels to Cambodia and so many other places, you can land in another country or even in our own country in another place and find connections. And you you can do that by just being really curious and open-minded. And I think uh, really important to, to my work is that we're not going around the world to help we're going around the world to learn and to share. And so that really drives us also in that women, you know, I mentioned Blandine, but there's so many other women that we've worked with around the world and we learn as much from them as they learn from us. And so it's really about two-way exchange and um, activating those connections. And and if you do that, you can really um, create long lasting, meaningful relationships, which are the basis for all change. That is a beautiful, wonderful note to end on. We're going to move into our speed round. Trish, I could not agree with you more about everything you just shared. I I left um, Cambodia really feeling optimistic about the state of the world because I connected with so many people that were making a difference. Like it literally felt um, so inspiring and transformative. So I would, I would, I would also be happy to answer any questions from any listener who's thinking I would love to get involved with that. So please feel free to reach out to me at katieatacertainagepod.com. I am more than happy to answer questions about what it's like to volunteer with this organization. So speed round. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. This is a one word answer to complete the sentence. Running my own nonprofit is? Exhilarating. My superpower at work? Focus. My superpower at home? Multitasking. Favorite country you've traveled to for work with Wake? Oh, that's a tough one. Mm, Rwanda. A country you could visit again and again. And this does not need to be a place that you've done work with, Wake. Zimbabwe. When I'm not volunteering my time through Wake, I volunteer my time at? Mm, my kids' schools. Me too. All right. Social justice <laughs> organization we should all have on our radar. Um. Oh, that's so hard. There, there's too many. I can't pick one. I'm sorry. Okay, that's fine. That's fair. That's fair. So I, anyone who's curious, they should just be looking at all the organizations that Wake has worked with. Yes, yes. Dream country for a future Wake program? Definitely Nepal. Perfect. We got to get Nepal on that list. On mm-hmm. weekends, you will find me? Reading a book or rowing. Okay, that, that, that is not the answer we would have had when I first met you back in D.C. many years ago. <laughs> if I were involved, Katie. That's true. We, we get to change. We get to change yeah. as we get older. Um, we're multifaceted. Uh, if I weren't running Wake, I would be a... Journalist. 
Okay. I love that. I love that. Okay, <laughs> Trish, this has been such a pleasure. I am not kidding. One of my favorite things about having the podcast is connecting with amazing women. I'm so happy to share the the work of Wake Women's Alliance for Knowledge Exchange with our listeners. This organization is so close to my heart. You do such amazing work, and I'm so thrilled that you were on with me today. Thanks, Katie. It's such an amazing podcast, and it was really wonderful to be on with you, and I always love spending time with you. Trish, before we say goodbye, how can our listeners learn more about how they can get involved with Wake? We would love people to sign up for our newsletter. If they just go to our website, wakeinternational.org, they'll be able to sign up for the newsletter, and through that, they'll get information about upcoming programs and opportunities. But our biggest, um, our, no, our upcoming thing is that on December 14th, we'll be opening the application for advisors, volunteers, who would be part of our spring session for the USA virtual program. And then we are looking at in 2022, bringing back the international work. We're looking at doing something focused on climate justice with Caribbean nonprofit leaders and potentially even a return trip to Cambodia. So um, people can look out for that. And then of course, Giving Tuesday is the Tuesday after Thanksgiving and we always need donations and that'll be on our website as well. Amazing. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. Join me next Monday when I talk with Grace Bonney, author of Collective Wisdom, Lessons, Inspiration, and Advice from Women Over 50, who shares intimate, triumphant tales of more than 100 women living extraordinary lives. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time, and until then, age boldly, beauties. Beauties.